It's February 1st, and my name is David McAdam, pastor at New Life Community Church in Concord, Massachusetts, and host of this one-year Bible tour. Congratulations if you've been with us since the beginning of the year, as you have now completed a full month of Bible reading. We are in the second book of Moses, the book of Exodus, and I want to encourage you to read along with me in this account of the children of Israel crossing the Red Sea. It's another defining moment in the history of Israel and the Bible's overall history of redemption. It is monumental, and it prefigures the greater exodus that the Lord Jesus Christ accomplishes through his perfect work of redemption in the New Testament. The households of the children of Israel, who were obedient to trust that the blood of the Passover lamb would avert the judgment of death, they also were able to partake of the Passover lamb and go in its strength following the pillar of cloud by day and fire by night to the Red Sea, where God miraculously opens up a way where there was no way. The people of Israel emerge as a nation no longer subject to Pharaoh, and they are now liberated from their years of slavery. We will be picking up where we left off yesterday in Exodus chapter 13, verse 17. When Pharaoh let the people go, God did not lead them by the way of the land of the Philistines, although that was near. For God said, Lest the people change their minds when they see war and return to Egypt. But God led the people around by the way of the wilderness toward the Red Sea. And the people of Israel went up out of the land of Egypt, equipped for battle. Moses took the bones of Joseph with him. For Joseph had made the sons of Israel solemnly swear, saying, God will surely visit you and you shall carry up my bones with you from here. And they moved on from Succoth and encamped at Etham on the edge of the wilderness. And the Lord went before them, by day in a pillar of cloud, to lead them along the way, and by night in a pillar of fire, to give them light, that they might travel by day and by night. The pillar of cloud by day and the pillar of fire by night did not depart from before the people. Chapter 14. Then the Lord said to Moses, Tell the people of Israel to turn back and encamp in front of Pi Hahitharoth, between Migdol and the sea, in front of Baal Zephon. You shall encamp facing it by the sea. For Pharaoh will say of the people of Israel, They are wandering in the land, the wilderness has shut them in. And I will harden Pharaoh's heart, and he will pursue them. And I will get glory over Pharaoh and all his hosts, and the Egyptians shall know that I am the Lord. And they did so. When the king of Egypt was told that the people had fled, the mind of Pharaoh and his servants was changed toward the people. And they said, What is this that we have done, that we have let Israel go from serving us? So he made ready his chariot, and took his army with him and took six hundred chosen chariots and all the other chariots of Egypt with officers over all of them. And the Lord hardened the heart of Pharaoh, king of Egypt, and he pursued the people of Israel while the people of Israel were going out defiantly. The Egyptians pursued them, all Pharaoh's horses and chariots, and his horsemen and his army overtook them, encamped at the sea by Pi-Hahiroth in front of Baal-Zephon, When Pharaoh drew near, the people of Israel lifted up their eyes, and behold, the Egyptians were marching after them, 
and they feared greatly. And the people of Israel cried out to the Lord. They said to Moses, Is it because there are no graves in Egypt that you have taken us away to die in the wilderness? What have you done to us by bringing us out of Egypt? Is not this what we said to you in Egypt? Leave us alone that we may serve the Egyptians? For it would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the wilderness. And Moses said to the people, Fear not, stand firm, and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will work for you today. For the Egyptians whom you see today, you shall never see again. The Lord will fight for you, and you have only to be silent. The Lord said to Moses, Why do you cry to me? Tell the people of Israel to go forward. Lift up your staff and stretch out your hand over the sea and divide it, that the people of Israel may go through the sea on dry ground. And I will harden the hearts of the Egyptians so that they go out in after them, and I will get glory over Pharaoh and all his hosts, his chariots and his horsemen. And the Egyptians shall know that I am the Lord when I have gotten glory over Pharaoh, his chariots and his horsemen. Then the angel of God, who was going before the host of Israel, moved and went behind them, and the pillar of cloud moved from before them and stood behind them, coming between the host of Egypt and the host of Israel. And there was the cloud and the darkness, and it lit up the sky without one coming near the other all night. Then Moses stretched out his hand over the sea, and the Lord drove the sea back by a strong east wind all night, and made the sea dry land, and the waters were divided. And the people of Israel went into the midst of the sea on dry ground, the waters being a wall to them on their right and on their left. The Egyptians pursued and went in after them into the midst of the sea, all Pharaoh's horses, his chariots, and his horsemen. And in the morning watch, the Lord in the pillar of fire and of cloud looked down on the Egyptian forces and threw the Egyptian forces into a panic, clogging their chariot wheels so that they drove heavily. And the Egyptians said, Let us flee from before Israel, for the Lord fights for them against the Egyptians. Then the Lord said to Moses, Stretch out your hand over the sea that the water may come back upon the Egyptians, upon their chariots, and upon their horsemen. So Moses stretched out his hand over the sea, and the sea returned to its normal course when the morning appeared. And as the Egyptians fled into it, the Lord threw the Egyptians into the midst of the sea. The waters returned and covered the chariots and the horsemen. Of all the host of Pharaoh that had followed them into the sea, not one of them remained." But the people of Israel walked on dry ground through the sea, the waters being a wall to them on the right hand and on the left. Thus the Lord saved Israel that day from the hand of the Egyptians, and Israel saw the Egyptians dead on the seashore. Israel saw the great power that the Lord had used against the Egyptians. So the people feared the Lord, and they believed in the Lord and in his servant Moses. Chapter 15 the Song of Moses. Then Moses and the people of Israel sang this song to the Lord, saying, I will sing to the Lord, for he has triumphed gloriously. The horse and his rider he has thrown into the sea. The Lord is my strength and my song, and he has become my salvation. This is my God, and I will praise him, my Father's God, and I will exalt him. The Lord is a man of war, the Lord is his name.
Pharaoh's chariots and his host he cast into the sea, and his chosen officers were sunk in the Red Sea. The floods covered them. They went down into the depths like a stone. Your right hand, O Lord, glorious in power, your right hand, O Lord, shatters the enemy. In the greatness of your majesty, you overthrow your adversaries. You send out your fury. It consumes them like stubble. At the blast of your nostrils, the waters piled up. The flood stood up in a heap. The deeps congealed in the heart of the sea. The enemy said, I will pursue, I will overtake, I will divide the spoil, my desire shall have its fill of them. I will draw my sword, my hand shall destroy them. You blew with your wind, the sea covered them. They sank like lead in the mighty waters. Who is like you, O Lord, among the gods? Who is like you, majestic in holiness, awesome in glorious deeds, doing wonders? You stretched out your right hand, the earth swallowed them. You have led in your steadfast love the people whom you have redeemed. You have guided them by your strength to your holy abode. The peoples have heard, they tremble. Pangs have seized the inhabitants of Philistia. Now are the chiefs of Edom dismayed. Trembling seizes the leaders of Moab. All the inhabitants of Canaan have melted away. Terror and dread fall upon them. Because of the greatness of your arm, they are still as a stone. Till your people, O Lord, pass by, till the people pass by whom you have purchased. You will bring them in and plant them on your own mountain, the place, O Lord, which you have made for your abode, the sanctuary, O Lord, which your hands have established. The Lord will reign forever and ever. We would do well to meditate upon those words. Fear ye not, stand still, and see the salvation of the Lord. Exodus chapter 14, verse 13. It is interesting to note that when Pharaoh released the Israelites to go, God did not lead them on a normal path. He had chosen a road for them. It was not the shortest road. It might have not been the easiest road, but it was the wisest. In Exodus 13, verses 17 to 18, we must trust that the chosen road for us no matter how hard it may feel, is the wisest. It is also important to recognize that the Israelites went up out of Egypt, armed for battle, in Exodus 13.18. When we are saved, as miraculous as it is, our troubles are not all behind us. We must be ready for the spiritual battles ahead. We see God's faithfulness in the fact that His presence is encamped with those whom He redeemed. Neither the pillar of cloud by day nor the pillar of fire by night, left its place in front of the people. In Exodus 13, verse 22. Once again, Pharaoh's hardened heart causes him to regret any concession made to the Israelites. In Exodus 14, 5. His stubborn determination sends him in hot pursuit of his runaway slaves. He takes his top officers and best equipment with him to seize the opportunity to recover his workforce and regain control over them. God's sovereignty will bring Pharaoh to judgment by hardening further his already hardened heart and allow him to pursue his own desires to the point of self-destruction. This reminds us that God's most severe judgments are when he allows us to do what we have already determined to do in our stubborn hearts. Pharaoh had repeatedly hardened his heart when confronted with God's light. We saw that in Exodus 7, verse 13, verse 22, chapter 8, 
verse 15, chapter 19, verse 32, and back further in chapter 9, verse 7, and 34 and 35. The time had come for the Lord to cement Pharaoh's hardened heart in its wayward direction for his own purposes. And so we read that the Lord hardened Pharaoh's already hardened heart in Exodus 9, verse 12, chapter 10, verse 1, verse 20, 27, and chapter 11, verse 10, and chapter 14, verse 8. In the New Testament, the Apostle Paul explains that when people resist and suppress God's initiatives to make himself known, he gives them over to their own desires, allowing them to heap judgment upon themselves. In Romans chapter 1, verses 18 through 24, verse 26, and verse 28. The children of Israel, having been led by the divine guidance system of both the angel of the Lord and the pillar of cloud by day and fire by night, reach an impasse. They are stunned as they stare at the barrier of the Red Sea before them and realize that they are boxed in and have nowhere to turn. With the enemy rapidly approaching from behind, the Israelites begin a mutinous grumble against their leader, Moses. Was it because there were no graves in Egypt that you brought us to the desert to die? But in Exodus 14, verses 13 to 14, we read, But Moses said to the people, Do not fear. Stand by and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will accomplish for you today. For the Egyptians whom you have seen today, you will never see them again forever. The Lord will fight for you while you keep silent. The Lord had brought his people to a place where all they could do is stand by. The words imply that they were both to stand still and stand ready. They were to await instructions. How often are we brought to those situations that box us in to reckon with God? We do have a place to turn. Stand still, stand ready, and see what God will do. See the salvation of the Lord. We need to realize the limitations of our natural resources and learn to trust God. How can we part the waters, move the mountains, and defeat the armies of a superpower? We can't, but He can, and He will, if it suits His purposes. I will fight for you while you keep silent. This is not a war between Israel and Egypt. It was a war between the Lord and Egypt. This battle belonged to the Lord, and He will show that He reigns supreme above all else. We wrestle not against flesh and blood. In Ephesians 6, verse 12, Jesus has been given all authority in Matthew 28, 19. Let Him rebuke your enemies and confound them. In Jude, chapter 1, verse 9. How shocking are the next words that Moses hears. The Lord says to Moses, Tell the people to get moving. Exodus 14, verse 15. The big question is, where? Moses is told that they are to get moving in a direction that they now realize, apart from God's intervention, is one of certain death. They are called to walk by faith and not by sight. This is the faith that says, If I perish, I perish. In Esther chapter 4, verse 16. It is the faith that says, Though he slay me, I will trust him. In Job chapter 13, verse 15. It is the faith that says, Our God whom we serve is able to deliver us and He will deliver us. But even if He does not, let it be known, we are trusting in the Lord. In the book of Daniel, chapter 3, verses 17 to 18, it is the faith of Jesus Christ who says in the face of imminent death, Nevertheless, thy will be done. In Matthew, chapter 26, verse 42, 
In the meanwhile, Moses is to lift up his staff and stretch out his hand over the sea and see the Lord create a way where there was no way. In Exodus 14.21, Moses stretched out his hand over the sea and the Lord swept the sea back by a strong east wind all night and turned the sea into dry land so the waters were divided. The sons of Israel went through the midst of the sea on the dry land and the waters were like a wall to them on their right hand and on their left. Then the Egyptians took up the pursuit, and all Pharaoh's horses, his chariots, and his horsemen went in after them into the midst of the sea. What is not possible with man becomes possible with God. The New Testament makes clear that the exodus of the children of Egypt is a picture of our salvation. We are delivered from the ruler of this age, that is Satan, by being baptized unto or identified with a greater Moses, Jesus Christ. In 1 Corinthians 10, verse 1, For I do not want you to be unaware, brethren, that our fathers were all under the cloud and all passed through the sea, and all were baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea. The Apostle Paul says that the crossing of the Red Sea is a vivid and instructive picture of those who believe in the gospel, being identified with Christ in his death, burial, and resurrection. 164 times in the New Testament, we read that believers are positioned in Christ, What pertains to Christ now pertains to us. God has rewritten our history in Christ so that from God's point of view, when Jesus died, we died. When he was buried, we were buried. And when he rose, we rose. We enjoy all the benefits of being hid with Christ in God. That means identified with. His inheritance becomes our inheritance. In 1 Corinthians 10, verse 11, Now these things happen to them as an example and they were written for our instruction, upon whom the ends of the ages have come. Paul reminds us that although the children of Israel were now out of Egypt, Egypt was not yet out of them. Although they had crossed over the Red Sea on dry ground, through their identification with Moses, they were not yet experiencing the promised land. They needed to take steps of obedience, where they would continually reckon themselves dead to self and alive to God through trusting the Lord. The future episodes in the wilderness will show us how God works in the lives of His people. He has gotten them out of Egypt. Now He needs to get Egypt out of them. We are no longer of the flesh or of the world or of the devil, but we need to be delivered from their influences upon us. This chapter shows God's faithfulness in fulfilling prophecy. Centuries earlier, the Lord had told Abraham, Know for certain that your descendants will be strangers in a land that is not theirs and they will be enslaved and oppressed four hundred years. But I will also judge the nation whom they serve, and afterward they will come out with many possessions. In Genesis chapter 15, verses 13 to 14. In the book of Exodus we read, in Exodus 12, 41, At the end of four hundred and thirty years, to the very day, all the Lord's divisions left Egypt. Psalm 105, verse 37 says, He brought out Israel, laden with silver and gold, and from among their tribes no one faltered. We see God's faithfulness in other details of the story. Before Joseph died, he expressed his faith in God's promised future. You remember in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 22, By faith Joseph, when he was dying, made mention of the exodus of the sons of Israel, and gave orders concerning his bones. Joseph had asked that his bones be buried in the promised land. He was thoroughly identifying with that promised reality. 
The continuity of the Bible's storyline is seen as Moses ensures that the bones of Joseph are brought with them as they leave Egypt. In Exodus 13, we read, Moses took the bones of Joseph with him, for he had made the sons of Israel solemnly swear, saying, God will surely take care of you, and you shall carry my bones from here with you. Another generation would pass, and we read in the book of Joshua, Joshua 24, verse 32, Now they buried the bones of Joseph, which the sons of Israel brought up from Egypt at Shechem, in the piece of ground which Jacob had bought from the sons of Hamor, the father of Shechem, for one hundred pieces of money, and they became the inheritance of Joseph's sons. Today's Old Testament reading ends with the victorious song of Moses and Miriam. They have a lot to sing about, and so do we. In the last book of the Bible, the redeemed of the Lord, both the Jews and the Gentiles, will unite together and sing the song of Moses and the song of the Lamb. In Revelation chapter 15, verses 1 to 3, Great and marvelous are your works, O Lord God, the Almighty, righteous and true are your ways, King of the nations. We can all praise God that he has triumphed gloriously in both the exodus of the people of Israel, which he accomplished at the Red Sea, and the greater exodus, which he accomplished at Calvary. Now let us go to our New Testament reading in the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 21, beginning with verse 23, when the authority of Jesus is being challenged. And when he entered the temple, the chief priests and the elders of the people came up to him as he was teaching and said, By what authority are you doing these things? And who gave you this authority? Jesus answered them, I also will ask you one question. And if you tell me the answer, then I also will tell you by what authority I do these things. The baptism of John. From where did it come? From heaven or from man? And they discussed it among themselves, saying, If we say from heaven, he will say to us, Why then did you not believe him? But if we say from man, we are afraid of the crowd, for they all hold that John was a prophet. So they answered Jesus, We do not know. And he said to them, Neither will I tell you by what authority I do these things. What do you think? A man had two sons, and he went to the first and said, Son, go and work in the vineyard today. And he answered, I will not but afterward he changed his mind and went. And he went to the other son and said the same. And he answered, I go, sir, but did not go. Which of the two did the will of his father? They said, The first. Jesus said to them, Truly I say to you, the tax collectors and the prostitutes go into the kingdom of God before you. For John came to you in the way of righteousness, and you did not believe him. But the tax collectors and the prostitutes believed him. And even when you saw it, you did not afterward change your minds and believe him. Hear another parable. There was a master of a house who planted a vineyard and put a fence around it and dug a winepress in it and built a tower and leased it to tenants and went into another country. When the season for fruit drew near, he sent his servants to the tenants to get his fruit. And the tenants took his servants and beat one killed another, and stoned another. Again he sent other servants, more than the first, and they did the same to them. Finally he sent his son to them, saying, They will respect my son. 
But when the tenants saw the son, they said to themselves, This is the heir. Come, let us kill him and have his inheritance. And they took him and threw him out of the vineyard and killed him. When therefore the owner of the vineyard comes, what will he do to those servants? He said to them, He will put those wretches to a miserable death and let out the vineyard to other tenants who will give him the fruits in their seasons. Jesus said to them, Have you never read in the Scriptures the stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone? This was the Lord's doing, and it is marvelous in our eyes. Therefore I tell you, the kingdom of God will be taken away from you and given to a people producing its fruits. And the one who falls on this stone will be broken to pieces, and when it falls on anyone, it will crush him. When the chief priests and the Pharisees heard his parables, they perceived that he was speaking about them. And although he was seeking to arrest him, they feared the crowds, because they held him to be a prophet. These events take place in the last week of Jesus' life before the crucifixion, during the four days between the tenth of Nisan and the fourteenth of Nisan, which is the Passover. The elders of Israel continue to examine the nation's Passover lamb, Jesus of Nazareth, to see if they can find a blemish or fault in him. Jesus' wisdom confounds them, and his parables expose their wickedness. In chapter 21, verses 28 to 46. The parable of the landowner has to do with the history of Israel, often looked upon as the Lord's vineyard. See the parable of the vineyard in Isaiah chapter 5. The vine growers were the custodians of Israel. These are the leaders who were to receive those servants of the vineyard owner, God's messengers, the prophets. Jesus' final episode in the parable is the current one in the lives of the scribes and the Pharisees. The vineyard owner has sent his son, the heir, into the vineyard, certain that the custodians would receive and revere him. Instead, they throw him out of the vineyard and kill him. Jesus then quotes a messianic prophecy, Psalm 118, verse 22, that demonstrates how those who fail to recognize the Messiah and cast him out, as did the custodian vine growers in the parable, will one day realize who he is. God will raise him from the dead. The stone the builders rejected will be made the chief cornerstone, both Lord and Christ, in what God originally called them to build. Today's reading in the book of Psalms is Psalm 26, I will bless the Lord. It's a Psalm of David. Vindicate me, O Lord, for I have walked in my integrity, and I have trusted in the Lord without wavering. Prove me, O Lord, and try me. Test my heart and my mind, for your steadfast love is before my eyes, and I walk in your faithfulness. I do not sit with men of falsehood, nor do I consort with hypocrites. I hate the assembly of evildoers, and I will not sit with the wicked. I wash my hands in innocence, and go around your altar, O Lord, proclaiming thanksgiving aloud, and telling all your wondrous deeds. O Lord, I love the habitation of your house, and the place where your glory dwells. Do not sweep my soul away with sinners, nor my life with bloodthirsty men, in whose hands are evil devices, and whose right hands are full of bribes. But as for me, I shall walk in my integrity. Redeem me and be gracious to me, 
My foot stands on level ground. In the great assembly, I will bless the Lord. What we have just read in Psalm 26 is an example of the prayer of one who has a record of righteousness before the throne of God. Seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness in Matthew chapter 6, verse 33. Of course, if we're talking about someone who has a record of absolute righteousness before the throne of God, it is the Lord our righteousness, Jesus Christ, in Jeremiah 23, 6 and Jeremiah chapter 33, verse 16. He is the Lord our righteousness, Yahweh Sidkenu. He alone is righteous in His own right, and He stands before the Father. In 1 John chapter 2, verse 1, we read, My little children, I am writing these things to you so that you may not sin. If anyone sins, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. We can read Psalm 26 as a psalm that echoes the heart cry of Jesus Christ, the spotless Lamb of God, as He lived life in a human body, tested and tempted at every point, yet without sin. We can also read this psalm as an in-Christ one, a Christian who has a heart to walk in the Spirit and follow after righteousness, however imperfectly. So make this prayer your prayer and pray it out loud. When we stand on the even place, the leveling ground at the foot of the cross, we realize that we have no righteousness of our own, but we wholly lean on the mercy shown to us by Him who died for us. In 2 Corinthians 5.21, He made Him who knew no sin to be sin on our behalf so that we might become the righteousness of God in Him. And in the words of the psalmist in Psalm 26, But as for me, I shall walk in my integrity. Redeem me and be gracious to me. My foot stands on a level place. That is the even ground of the cross. In the congregations, I shall bless the Lord. For all my brothers and sisters are standing in the same place at the cross on that even ground. Proverbs 6, verses 16 to 19. There are six things that the Lord hates, seven that are an abomination to Him. Haughty eyes, a lying tongue, and hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that devises wicked plans, feet that make haste to run to evil, a false witness who breathes out lies, and one who sows discord among brothers. Notice the construction of this proverb. There are six things, yes, seven. When we find that in the scriptures, it's designed to give emphasis to the last item. In this case, the emphasis is on the effect of evil doing, spreading strife among brothers, sowing discord. Strife can be caused by the littlest thing. One look from the eye, one word from the tongue, one deed with the hand, a plan in the heart, a direction with evil intent, and character assassination with a false witness. Let's pray. Lord, as we read of the great work of salvation that you accomplished for Israel, we can't help but think of the work that Christ accomplished for us. He came to fulfill your holy demands for righteousness on our behalf. There is nothing worthy of vindication in my name if I were to stand in my own merits, but your name is worthy of vindication, and your name is the Lord our righteousness. You are tempted at every point, yet without sin. Thank you for the mercy that clothes us with your righteousness when we stand on the equal ground at Calvary and admit that we cannot justify ourselves through our own works, but only by wholly leaning on Jesus' name. 
Our hope is built on nothing less. Amen. Thanks for joining with me on our Bible reading tour. I hope that this is an encouragement to you. Please know that you are welcome to contact us by email with any questions or comments you may have. You can let us know how you are managing to keep the pace or where you may be struggling. Our email address is podcast at newlife.org. Also, we want you to know that you can receive a free written copy of the commentary portion on each passage from each day's readings in the One Year Bible by subscribing to a daily email at our website, newlife.org. Be sure that you don't miss a daily episode by subscribing to the One Year Bible Tour Guide podcast wherever you get your podcasts, be it Spotify, Podbean, iHeartRadio, Amazon Music, Pandora, Apple or Google Podcasts, YouTube. You can even ask Alexa to play the One Year Bible Tour Guide podcast on iHeartRadio or whatever podcast service you may be utilizing. I hope you will join us tomorrow as we continue our reading through the Bible. And until then, may the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us all. Shalom.